Yo, what's going on, y'all? What's going on? Uh, welcome back to another Hashi Flashy uh, episode of the Audible Podcast. I'm your host, uh, D-Man. Let's get straight to it. So, <laughs> I wanted to make this the uh, kind of the uh, degenerate gambling uh, podcast. Uh, it is the UFC. We got Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier 3 tonight. Uh, along with, uh, I want to discuss the NBA tomorrow. Uh, obviously, the Phoenix Suns are up 2 0. Um, Giannis, uh, who just suffered almost a loss of limb maybe two weeks ago. Today is July 10th. The game is on July 11th, which is on a Sunday. Maybe two weeks ago. We almost saw one of the worst injuries. Actually, it's one of the worst injuries I've ever seen in general without it being a compound fracture. But we may have, like, it's it's a horrific injury. And for this dude, and we're going to discuss this more. We'll go UFC first. But for this dude to have 42 and more points, I believe, in the third quarter than his two other teammates who are supposed to be the number two and three. Uh, had in the entire game. So we're going to discuss that, but I wanted to just get to talk about some of my UFC picks, right? So we got a long call, as always, right? I watched from top to bottom. Um, I always watch prelims, pre prelims, the regular prelims, the main call. You watch all of them, right? You watch the pre prelims, you like the first fight. The first. One to three fights is usually, you know, maybe up and comers, maybe just some brand new people, some prospects they just found, and they kind of work their way up. So a lot of these people, you know, if you follow the UFC for a, a year, and at least for that year, we can, if if you can string enough, string up enough wins, you can follow the trajectory of people's. Uh, career and also one of the more efficient ways I use to bet on UFC is strength of schedule, right? Strength of schedule in in NFL, the Patriots. It seems like every single year they had the easiest schedule in the NFL, but then they end up winning the Super Bowl anyway. So it it kind of didn't even matter, right? Strength of schedule is always what I look for. When it comes to UFC, besides, you know, record, obviously, but in, in UFC, more than boxing, uh, the fans don't, well, not the casual fans, because casual fans are shift anywhere. Fans respect more fight than record, right? So, obviously, if you got a trash record, you know, you don't get as much leeway. But somebody like Nate Diaz, who is damn near 50-50, uh, Jorge Masvidal is like, not the 50 50, but you know, if you see his record in boxing, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be seen as the same guy. Uh, but the UFC fans know that these guys is about matchups, and a lot of these guys are and all these guys, all these guys and girls are really tough. And the matchup can weigh a lot. Decisions can weigh a lot. Uh bad refing can weigh a lot. Bad judges can weigh a lot. Uh, you can say for a lot of Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal's fights, 
that there are a handful of fights, more than a handful of fights that were just could have been bad decisions. So that's why I always look at strength of schedule because if you fought uh, really good people, uh, but you you lost, it was a five round decision. You barely won. To go five rounds with certain people is is really a thing, right? It, to go a full fight with a lot of people is really a thing. It's, it's, it's really something I put a lot of points on uh, when it comes to me judging fights and and just looking at. So the first I'll start off with because it's the first one. So Trevin Giles, it's not the first one, but it's the first one I'll use as that example. Trevin Giles versus uh, Drusis Duplessis. Uh, go to Trevin Giles's info. So I usually go to uh, SureDog. SureDog gives you kind of everything you need. It's like a SureDog. It's the easiest stats to go because the stats kind of look like arcade stats, like NBA Jam stats, where they're just super easy to read. They have six uh, TKOs, five submissions, three decisions, and they just they light up the right way, right? So I go to Sure Sure Dog. I look at Trevin Giles, and I go in. And I break injury scene. I do not care about uh, winning streaks, losing streaks. Cause you know, it, it all depends on the competition, though. Like, can I find this dude, Juicy's? Okay, it's also a Sure Dog, right? So one is 14 and two, and the other one's 15 and two. Uh both coming off of three win, both are on three win uh winning streaks. The last three wins for Dracis, I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, Marcus Perez, Brandon Lazar, and Jotun Ludabach. Maybe good fighters, right? The the first one, the last one, Marcus Perez was in the UFC. Trevin Giles has already been in the UFC for quite a while, like for three, four years. Um, and three victors also, but the, the two of the three, Bevin Giles, Bevin Lewis, and James Krause. James he beat James Krause in a, a split decision. It was a real tough fight. It was a real close fight. Could have gone either way. But the fact that he can go five rounds with James Christ and get the victory. James Cross and get the victory. The fact that in the past he's fought and beaten Ryan Spann, he's fought and beaten Brendan Allen. These are all fights from years ago, but this shit counts. Um, he did lose to Jerry Mershaw and by submission. That was four years ago, uh, two years ago. But he hasn't lost since. So, to me, Trevin Giles has just fought better competition. Uh, you know, when it gets to it, maybe Drusis is just kind of. Because he just got into the UFC, maybe it just took a while for him to get his chance. So I just go with who I've seen the most and who I've seen the most uh, that's been impressive. And especially because I remember him stopping uh, Bevon Lewis. Bevon Lewis is not uh, kind of just random cat, right? Um, so that's how I look at UFC fights. And it's the best way to tell. Like when you got a super even fight, like, Steven Thompson and, and Gilbert Burns. I'ma just stay away from that fight. My gut is telling me Steven Wonder Boys Thompson is going to win it because I kind of use that same measurement. Gilbert Burns has fought tough competition, but the competition he's faced at 170 is not as good as the competition Steven Wonder Boy has, has faced. 
and Wonder Boy just has been at 170 for a longer time. His style is very, very different. And that doesn't mean Gilbert Burns can't get in there because Gilbert Burns is really fast. He's going to be going for takedowns. He's going to be going for knockouts. He can really, really switch it up. Um, and I think what Steven Thompson is going to see that he didn't see what I say when he fought Woodley. Woodley has fast hands, and so does Burns. But Burns has fast, quick, and he throws a lot of hooks. So it's a lot of stuff. That's how Wonder Boy got knocked out against uh, Masvidal. Um, no, not Masvidal. Well, he got knocked out against a, a Superman punch against. Um, God damn, he's not in the UFC no more. His brother's name Sergio Pettis, Anthony Pettis. Wonder Boy can get caught with the punches. He's not obviously anybody can call the punches they can't see. But since Wonder Boy fights so awkwardly, it seems like when he get hit. He really gets hit. Now, it's not like he's been stopped a bunch of times. He's only been knocked out one time. Um, but it just seems like he's getting older. And Gilbert Burns, like I said, has really quick hands. So a chance of knockout, a chance of, I don't know about getting takedowns and holding him down and, and all this stuff. That's that's a real tough ass. Uh, but the chance of knockout, the chance of TKO is there with Gilbert Burns. He's really fast hands. Uh, and he's just really technical sound. For, for him to get that knockdown on... Um, on the champ so quick, um, on Usman, I really thought that was really impressive. And, and yeah, I, and I also never bet or go for the guy who just came off a loss on a title fight. Um, most cats, when they lose off of a title fight, the next fight is also a loss. Uh, the only, really only example I've seen is, is maybe like Daniel Cormier uh, after losing to Jones. Whoever it was next, he beat him. Um, but pretty much everybody else, after they lose the title fight, uh, they usually go on a, a pretty bad streak. Uh, most recently, like the two or five division, you can see with Anthony Smith and um, and Dominic Reyes as well. Um, I think what well, Tyrone Whitley lost the belt, he didn't fight for the belt, he lost his belt, then he kind of went on a lose streak. But that's typically the kind of role. But that's what I look for. Um. And I'll show you my underdogs first. So the underdogs, uh, Omari Akhmedev, I don't know his, his last name, Sweet Jesus, against Brad uh, Tavares. Uh, Omari is a, a plus 140 underdog. I went with him in DraftKings and in uh, my DraftKings lineup and on here because plus 140, I like to even odds. I mean, I like the, the extra money. And let's see. Let me type in his name. Sorry, right, came up because I was looking at it earlier. This dude, the reason why I went for him, first of all, Dagestan, Russia. He's a workhorse. So I went for him in DraftKings because DraftKings, I'm just learning the, that side of it, scoring, etc. A lot of takedowns. Um, he has a lot of submission victories, uh, but he also has a lot of decisions. So the reason I went from him in DraftKings is because most of his fights are decisions. The same with Brad Tavares. Um, it's just a whole lot of decisions. So if you get a whole lot of decisions, a whole lot of takedowns, a whole lot of technical stuff, punches, a long drawn out fight, that's how you get a lot of points. Takedowns uh, cost for a lot, especially in, in DraftKings. And uh, I just kind of think, uh, Amari's going to just outwork him. 
Uh, he's fought tough competition. Uh, Ian Heinish being one. Tim Bosch. Uh, he just beat Tom Breeze. Uh, he just submitted him. He did lose to Chris Weidman, but it was a real controversial uh, decision. A very, I wouldn't say controversial. It was a close decision. I could have went to any one of those guys. So, And he had a draw uh, with Marvin Vittori. This is years ago. Marvin Vittori is elevated. Uh, but to have a draw with Marvin Vittori and uh, beat Ian Heinish and Tom Breeze, um, again, this is that's just the experience. Uh, there's a couple ones I'm going to stay away from, like uh, Jennifer Meyer versus Jessica I. Jessica I is an underdog at plus 160, Jennifer Meyer at minus 200. I'm going to go – well, not go. I'm going to say Jennifer Meyer is going to win. I'm going to stay away from it betting-wise. I think it will be uh, either a decision or a submission. Uh, I can't – I don't know if I can uh, check to see. Uh, method of victory. So Jennifer Meyer by submission is plus 500, um, but it going to a decision is plus – her winning by decision is plus 105. So um, I would say the plus 105 winning by decision – it's probably a lot better than minus 200 for winning the fight. Because um, I think it'll probably go to a to a decision either way. Uh, but I'll go for Jennifer Maya just because, again, she just fought the champ. And she's just coming off a loss. So things, you know, I just, I'm going against what I just said. Um, but she's just way too... I think she's way too physical for Jessica I. Uh, but we'll see how I go. It's still a close fight. Um, I can see Jessica I winning, but I'll just lean more Jennifer Maya on this one. So uh, Trevor Giles and uh, Duplessis. Uh, Drew Cease. I went Trevor Giles with that one. Uh, Ilya uh, Tapiria against Ryan Hall. Um, the odds are kind of switched. I caught early at plus 205. Ryan Hall, Ryan Hall is an underdog at plus 205. Well, he's an underdog right now at plus 185. And what you really want to be looking for is Ryan Hall by submission, which is plus 350, which means if you put $20 on it, you'll win $70. Right? So Ryan Hall is a submission specialist, but what is really underrated with Ryan Hall, I think most people have, have not noticed, is his striking is a lot better. Mainly his kicking. A lot of wheel kicks, a lot of roundhouse kicks. If you watch his last couple fights, he's, he's really switching it up. And he does have TK law. TKO losses. A lot of these guys that are uh, not losses, wins. I'm sorry. A lot of these guys that are just uh, submission specialists, and he is a submission specialist. They come into the UFC, they really don't rely on their hands as much. His striking has improved. It's been a while since he's been in the fight. Um, that's the most telling part. I think he's he hasn't fought since like 2019. So when it comes to fighting, um. I think, you know, I think a lot of people don't want to fight Ryan Hall um, because of the fact that, you know, his submissions are pretty, can be pretty bad. They're usually lower limb um, submissions, but he went against Darren Elkins in a decision. And he just, he, he did just fine standing up. So um, I think Ryan Hall at plus 185 is a, a really good bet. I know Ilya uh, is undefeated. Um, so going against the undefeated person is you know crazy. Ryan Hall is just eight and one, and uh, it has a he has a come he has a straightforward type of style. Uh, this is going to be his third fight in the UFC. 
and he hasn't fought since December of 2020. So um, a little bit of a, of a layoff to eight, eight month layoff. So maybe had injuries or something like that, but uh, he just won by uh, KO. This he had a fight for there by decision. And again, by uh, KO. So he's a straightforward type of guy. He's good with submissions. He has some, a bunch of submission victories, right? So, so this is this may be a, a, a really good uh, grappling uh, fight. This may turn into a grappling fight, but I think Ilya's going to probably keep it standing up um, because Ryan Hall's probably at a, a little bit higher level. But at the same time, before his UFC fights, Ilya wins is all submissions. So it's mostly rear naked chokes and guillotines, but he has the triangles and and a counter choke. So it looked like he's no, you know. He's no fool on the ground either, so we'll see how that goes. But I have Ryan Hall because um, if this is going to turn into a on the floor fight, uh, he's he's going to have to just knock knock him out stiff, which he can do, which Ilya can do. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But I have Ryan Hall. Uh, pure violence in his next fight. This is probably going to be the most exciting fight of the night, besides a tie to Vasin and Greg Hardy. We'll get to that. Uh, but Michael Pieta against Nico Price. I'm going Michael Pieta, um, and probably by. Let's see. So by KO TKO a DQ is plus two hundred uh, for Michael Pieta. Um, I'll go for Michael Pieta because he's just a, a freak in nature. He's a bigger, stronger guy, and again. You, uh, I just said I, I'm contradicting myself, but I'm, I'm explaining why. Uh, Nico Price by far has the experience factor, right? He's fought much tougher opponents. He has a much better gas tank, etc. Right? Everything I said at the beginning, going against it on this one because Michael Pieta is just a much, much bigger guy. And Nico Price's last fight, let me go to it. Let me pull it on up. Become accurate. It was should have been against Cowboy, and he had a no contest. Where he had a draw, overturn. Well, he had a draw with Cowboy Cerrone, and before that, he lost to Vicente Luque, and then before that, he beat James Vick, and before that, he lost to James Neal. Before that, he beat um Tim Means, but before that. He lost to Abdul Razak. So Nico Price can be kind of up and down. He's he's a really, really exciting fighter. Um, but I think the power of Pieta is it, pretty crazy, uh, especially at 185. This dude can easily fight at 205, and he comes all the way down at 105. His gas tank has been a lot better. He hit, he hit weight. Um, I wouldn't say seemingly with no problem, but he did hit weight. Um, and... And Cowboy is a great fighter, uh, but to get a draw with Cowboy at this point, uh, when Nico fighter should have been just the, I guess the the younger, more very the bigger guy. Um, to me, it, it tells me a little bit. It just tells me to lean with Pieta. The line says that too. It's minus uh, one seventy five. So I won't bet on this because, like I said, it's pure violence, and Nico Price is pure violence. Pieta is pure violence. So I never like to bet on those fights. Um, but it, it'll probably be the, the fight of the night. Uh, the next is Matt Griffin. It's called Lukanda. Um, It's one of the, well, besides, obviously, the next one after that. It's one of the, you know, one of the biggest odds. Mine is 185 for Max Griffin, Carlos Condit. I went for Max Griffin again on DraftKings along with this. Uh, Carlos Condit is just at a different point 
Um, that these guys are two different points in their career. Max Griffin's been fighting in a while, but he's still a younger guy, he's still a the bigger guy. Um, I think he wins this as Max Griffin. Uh, more than likely, it'll be by decision. Uh, but I also have him on my DraftKings because he does a lot of uh, a lot of technical work, uh, a lot of punches and kicks. Kicks, no, you know, no gigantic knockouts or anything like that. Even though you know he may have some TKOs on this record as far as him TKOing cats, um, but it's usually a real grinding style type style. It's the same style as Carlo Condit, but I think he's just much bigger than Carlos Condit. Uh, there is a chance he can get caught up in the submission. Carlos Condit is just not some, you know, some random guy. Uh, that's why it's plus 150 on odds. It's not like it's, you know, minus 400 or something like that. It's it's pretty, still pretty close odds. But I'm going to go with Max Griffin, and I went for it on DraftKings as well because, like I said, those takedowns and those points really add up. Um, Sean O'Malley against Chris uh, Muichino. I don't know how to say this cat name. He's, he's brand new to the UFC. Um, just gigantic odds. I mean, Sean O'Malley at minus uh, 1,000. Uh, so betting on the actual money line is something I wouldn't uh, tell you to do. Um, but Sean O'Malley to win in the first three minutes of the first round is plus 163. Um, Chris uh, Mutino um, doesn't have any experience in the UFC. It's his first fight. He's a pretty random guy. And to be fighting Sean O'Malley is a big spot, maybe too big of a spot. But, uh, you know, anything can happen. Uh, let me see. Technical draw. What's Mutano winning in the first round? Plus 1,600. It would have been a lot higher. It should be like plus. Yeah, anything can happen. But more than likely, it's to be Sean O'Malley winning. Um, hitting, him winning within distance is minus 450. So if you want to bet that instead of minus 1,000, because this probably won't go to a decision, uh, you can get some, you know, much better money at minus 450 than fucking minus 1,000. It's crazy. Uh, and also Sean O'Malley by a TKO is minus 400. So uh, TKO KO is minus 400. Uh, him winning the first round is minus 120. And the second round is plus 270. Uh, with fights like these, I'm always kind of it. It always is not what it seems. So I think Sean O'Malley in plus round in round two at plus two seventy might be a good fucking decision. I don't know, uh, but it's better than minus one thousand. So yeah, definitely didn't bet on this at all. Uh, we getting down to it. Uh, Irene Odana and uh, Yana Kutskaya. Um, Minus 105 and minus 115. Adana is the favorite here. When I caught it, no, Adana is the still an underdog by a little bit. It's just minus 105. It's the same thing. It's even money, basically. Um, I read Irene Adania because she is crazy. Uh, she she throws big knockout punches. She did miss weight, so you know, maybe a big gas tank issue or, or whatnot. But her missing weight means she's just Really, she's going to be the, the much bigger woman in this, which she probably was going to be already. Um, and she, is, she has good knockout power. She had a lot of decisions in the past, uh, but she also has a, a few TKOs. And I don't know, but she's coming off a loss with Holly Holm. But Unikaskaya is just not Kuniskaya. She's on a two win winning streak. and I don't know. 
I went on uh, Irina Donnie just because I know she's really impressive and explosive with the hands. And um, a lot of uh, you know, Yana's fights are decisions. So I just kind of went with uh, Irina Donia. Um It's probably a stay away, but I went with Irene anyway. Uh, this next fight, along with the Pieta and Nico Price fight, is probably going to be the most exciting fight tied to Vasa and Greg Hardy. Um, from the odds, minus 130 and plus 110. Uh, and I'm on Bovada. I'm just looking up. Bovada, you may get better odds, uh, you know, FanDuel or, or DraftKings, etc. But um, I have Greg Hardy winning at plus 110. Um, he's had a little bit of a layoff, which probably means he's been working. And I know he's going to give it a wall. Like the thing with Tato Avanza, let me bring up Greg Hardy's stuff here. And Prince of Wars, just Jesus Christ. So he lost to Marcin Tabura. Uh, he got TKO. That was uh, Greg Hardy did. He beat Maurice Green. He beat uh, Yogan Castro. He beat Juan Adams. He lost to Volkov. Uh, he did break his hand in that fight, but it was pretty one-sided either way. Like, Greg Hardy is a, is a prospect. Still, like... He's only been in the UFC two years. And he's fought tough competition. Like, he's fought Volkov, Marcin Tabura. Oh, let's see. And tied to Avasa the same. But, Tanks McSweeney. Olofsky. Or Doom to Bura. Yeah. I forgot uh Tubira fought for Doom. I'm gonna go with Greg Hardy plus one ten. Um I just think he's far better competition. And I think he's a little bit more of a dog right now. And uh I think he's pretty crazy. And uh sometimes Ty is a little he's a little trippy sometimes, so I go with Greg Hardy. Steven Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. Um, Gilbert Burns is plus 135. I am going to go with Steven Thompson just because history tells us that you should probably go with Steve Wonderboy Thompson. Um, His style just doesn't allow you to really get to him. Uh, The Pettis thing, Superman Punch was was what it was. but obviously, him getting absolutely KO'd is more of an anomaly than you know than than anything else. So, uh, I think Gilbert is a tough fighter. I do think Gilbert has a chance to win this. It's not some foregone, you know. It's not fucking minus eight hundred here. Um, but I do see Wonder Boy winning uh, either by TKO or in a decision. Gilbert Burns made uh, his after title fight thing may apply. I'm not exactly sure. He looked pretty devastated after he lost. Um, But he also sounded really confident after that. So, you know, I 
you kind of don't know what you're going to get, what kind of guy is going to show up. Like I said, really the only guy that has uh, consistently won or won really the fight after the next two fights is like Cormier. Um, everybody else, including people who Cormier beat Volkov, etc., cetera, um, lost fights. So, yeah, it's going to be a close fight, but I'll go Wonderboy Thompson on that. And last fight, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Um, Conor McGregor plus 105 uh, to Dustin Poirier's 125. We've seen uh, all right, so we've seen the first fight, we've seen the second fight, right? Two opposite two totally opposite results. In the first one, Dustin Poirier gets stopped. Um, but up to that, it was a lot of, I would say, psychological uh, warfare. Um, he looked like he was way too antsy to get in that fight and knock out Connor. And uh, even he admitted, and pretty much everyone could see that, you know, Connor just got him out of his game. He KO'd him, right? Connor was just better at the time also. Second fight, it seems very neutral as far as the mental warfare game. There was none, really none played. Uh, uh, Poirier looked like the much bigger guy in there. I think he probably weighed like 20 pounds more than uh, Connor. So I had a sneeze. Didn't want to completely anything. And I think that's going to be the same difference in this one. Poirier is going to be the much bigger guy. I have another te- a sneeze. Teasing. My bad again. He's a much bigger guy. And I think that's going to play into the same thing. Look, Dustin Poirier, after the second fight, I believe he said, during the fight, he probably was like 190 pounds. He could have been 200. Uh, I, I read something that said 186. That's why I'm just saying 190 because I read something else that said 200. So I'll just go 190. Conor McGregor won't be weighing in to fight anybody at 185 pounds. Like, I know not... And you know what I mean? Not the actual weigh-in, but the actual fight. You know, these guys shrink down, shrink themselves down um, to 155, and they usually get in the octagon much bigger than what they shrink themselves down into. Usually, I guess, you know, Connor fought at 170, but one of them, he didn't even make 170. When he fought Nate, he didn't even make it. He was like 168. Uh, so he, he doesn't comfortably weigh... 170 pounds within his within his in shape fighting workout lifestyle. I'm sure when he's not doing all of that, he may weigh over that. Um, but he's never gonna come in at 185 pounds and, and fight, right? So the fact that Dustin has this 15 to 20 a pound difference, and he's much bigger in the upper body than Connor. Um, I think he imposes his will the same way. 
I'll I'll go to minus uh, 125 for Dustin. Um, And also rarely in these trilogies does the person who wins, who the person who loses the second fight wins the third fight. Like I don't remember any back and forth. Let me type up UFC trilogy fights. Like Cormier and Stipe was one, two, two, one, two, three. Uh, DC Stipe Stipe. Cain uh, uh, Velasquez and Julio Dos Santos was Junior Kane Kane in a pretty bad Kane Kane, if I remember. Let's see. So somehow we got a Tito Ortiz and a Ken Shamrock. I guess they were just really close fights. I'm sorry. I forgot. It was 3-0 for that. Uh, Randy Couture and Vito Belfort was actually a back and forth. Okay. It was Couture, Belfort, and then Couture got it back. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus BJ Penn. It was 3-0, but it was all just uh, close fights and then a decision. Um, Tim Silver versus Andre Olofsky. Olofsky won the first one, and then Silver won the last two. Uh, Forrest Griffin versus Tito Ortiz. Tito won the, the first one, and, Ortiz, and Griffin won the, the second two. We talked about Dos Santos and Kane. Um, and we talked about that, and we also, uh, GSP and Matt Hughes. Uh, Matt Hughes and then GSP, GSP. Also, Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture. Randy Couture, Liddell, Liddell. And also, Greg Maynard and uh, Frankie Edgar. Whereas, the second one was a draw, but uh, I thought Frankie Edgar won that fight. Uh, but So, most of these trilogies kind of end this way. We've had a couple instances where it wasn't. Um, but I just think with, with Dustin being a, just a much bigger guy, uh, he, he probably outweighs him naturally 15, 20 pounds. Um, and I'm not sure how Connor uh, gets away from that. Uh, that 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 weight difference, uh, especially when we now see that the the punching power is is on par, and and not Connor. Poirier has power in both hands, uh, whereas Connor's he has power in both hands, obviously, but he's more of a specialist. He looks more for the left hand than than both. So. We'll see how those go. That's that's how my picks are. Uh, I have them all. The ones I say I was going to bet on. I'm not going to bet on this. I'm not going to bet on Gilbert Burns uh, and Stephen Thompson anyway. Uh, but I did make just one giant parlay uh, just to, you know, it is what it is. Just in case I get all of them right. I've gotten all of them right like two times before. And I've gotten several of them right. Uh, plenty of other times before. Um, so that's why I did, you know, some fights. Uh, all singles, and I also did one as a big parlay. So as the big parlay, just a, a throw out there, you know, put $5 on it. it I did Omari, Jennifer uh, Maya, Trevin Giles, Ryan Hall, uh, Pieta, Max Griffin. I uh, didn't do Sean O'Malley at all. I did uh, Irina Donia, Greg Hardy, uh, Stephen Thompson, and Dustin Poirier. Um, 
So what I said was my picks is what I, I did parlay on. Um, but it was just one big, you know, kind of throwaway parlay. So it, it kind of is what it is. So uh, those are my picks for UFC. Uh, hopefully uh, you do some research on stuff. Like it's about, of course, being a fan of the stuff. That's why I think, you know, um, looking at this stuff and doing this stuff is just so easy for me because I, uh, I already watch it. So, and I've been watching it for years. So, uh, hopefully we get a lot of them right. Hopefully we get all of them right. When that big parlay, I put like $5 on that thing, but it was like 11, 12 fights. So I think the payout could have been like three G's. I don't know, but, uh, we're going to sizzle either way. Uh, and lastly, well, not lastly, I only want to talk about two things. We need to talk about the, the finals, right? So the Suns are up 2-0, right? Rough transition, right? I just I just did a U-turn on two wheels, and it don't matter. 2-0 is the deal, right? Let's go to the odds. Right now, Phoenix is an underdog at plus 155 against the Milwaukee Bucks with a player who, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, looked like he was going to lose a leg less than two weeks ago. That player was also the leading scorer by far on the entire uh, fucking uh, uh, stat list. Not only for his team, for, for, for both teams, right? Basketball, as far as money, has already gone 10, 20, 30, 40 times beyond what football will ever go to. It's two different uh, business practices. The NBA is a lot more open uh, as far as expression, whether that be either the expressions from owners uh, general managers, or you know, we hear a lot. We we know a lot more about NBA GMs than we do NFL GMs. You can probably name me ten NBA GMs. That's how much. That's how in tune as far as news and that's how open the NBA are is to the public. And that's also how much they share their, I, I guess. Uh, revenue wealth with their players. The thing is, you have average players making so much money that there's there's no way to come back on it. And I don't want to make this a I'm, it's not a, a pocket counting situation. There, uh, I don't want to discuss the, what people are making. I want to discuss how do you how do you pay guys if you're you're at the biggest possible spot that you will probably ever be in and most cats have already been in lesser spots and suffered so much to get to the high spot. And they finally get to the high spot 
and we see nothing from them, right? At what point does that leak into how much players are paid? For instance, John Wall was basically told, not basically, he was told by the Rockets, uh, go home, take a nap, make a sandwich, we're paying you $42 million a year, and you don't even have to pay the last 20 games, even though you ain't even paid to play the 20 games before that. Or the 20 games before that, or the 20 games before that. And now, because... I don't want to talk narrative because uh, ESPN, we already see how ESPN and all the sports news medias, we already see how they push narrative, right? They just make up shit. I saw Richard Def Jefferson saying, oh, well, Giannis, he just doesn't make any, we, like, you know, like LeBron, he doesn't make anybody better. He's playing with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. These guys make $180 million. Is he their daddy? He's not playing with, look, LeBron. Playing with Rodney Hood, and um, at that point, um, Clarkson was still very young. He's not the same Clarkson. Playing with Larry Dance, playing with those young guys versus playing with Drew Holiday. There's a level of responsibility that Drew and Chris Middleton have to step up and not watch. The dude who just got his leg taken off, almost got his leg taken off. It probably came off and they sewed that bitch back on in the back. Then they did the Wolverine surgery. There is no possible way that the NBA can continue. And I'm not talking about money. If the sports media is not put into some type of check, right? So I just did a fucking a UE UE. What does Giannis have to do to get people on this team motivated? What is Giannis supposed to do against the hottest team in the NBA? While the Bucks are the number one team defensively in the NBA, Phoenix is the number two team defensively in the NBA. So you have the two best teams of the year. That's why this is not a coincidence. The Lakers stuff, get, this is not a coincidence that the number one and two defensive teams are playing against each other in the NBA Finals right now. Stop some big fucking hoo-ha. What in the hell is Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday doing? And and at, at what point? And they've been inconsistent the whole time. And that's the thing with the you know the the Middleton. Um, and like I said in previous podcasts, we can get on these cats. Cats make one hundred and eighty million dollars. Cats make thirty dollars, thirty million. I say thirty dollars. They make thirty dollars a second. Make thirty million, shoot the ball in the hoop. So me talking for a little podcast from a little desk, it means nothing. Uh, but the, the fact that you can get to this point, uh, both of those cats, and you can't step up, or you even they haven't even been consistent through the entire playoffs. 
let me like Middleton had a big game, Drew had a big game, but they've had like one big game. It's been 30 plus for Giannis the whole time. Let me go to um I can go to his last 10, right? His last 10. Uh Chris Middleton, right? So they have the Brooklyn game. This is in June. He had 38. That was to that wasn't to close out Brooklyn. It was the game before that. Then he had 23. In the first two Atlanta games, he had 15. Then he had 38. In the game after that, he had 16. Then he has 26. And then the next game, he has 11. Drew Holiday. The last Brooklyn game, where the Brooklyn game, where Middleton had 38, he had 21. Then he had 13. And he had 33. And, and then the game uh, three and four against Atlanta, he has six and 19. And then the last two games, he has 10 and 17. So what's telling me from first of all, looking at uh, uh, this chart, is that every two games, he has two games, two good games, and two bad games. Two good games, two bad games. That's how the, his entire playoffs look uh, for Drew Holiday. What the fuck is going on? Why does the dude with the wooden leg have to do so much? And why does he continuously get so much flack on the opposite side? Why is Richard Jefferson? How can Richard Jefferson, as a player who's been carried by other players, Look at the effort that somebody with a wooden leg can put out two weeks removed against the second best defensive team in the NBA with probably the deepest roster in the NBA in the coach of the year. So I didn't want to get too much mumbo-jumbo-y about that. Um, 2-0, it is what it is. Uh, Phoenix, as an underdog, is a little confusing to me. Uh, my dog, Trill, he did tell me that Scott Foster is the referee uh, for Chris Paul. And last I checked, Chris Paul, Scott Foster. Let's see. Eleven in a row? 11 in a row. So, uh, Scott Foster being thrown into this as a referee, and all of a sudden the line being switched, and the team that is clearly the better team and the more dominant team and a better coach team, and then a, a, a referee slides in and it's game three. And I assume, you know, most people just don't think this is going to be a sweep, and they think it's going to be maybe a, a gentleman sweep. So, that's probably why this line switches. Um, I just don't get it. Um, this line tells me that we should be betting the over on Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton on, on tomorrow. Let me look at the, the, their props. Um, because for this line to switch, uh, because of a change of a referee, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. So Drew Holiday is over 19 points. Can Drew Holiday get 20 points? Uh, that's minus 114. And uh, Chris Middleton, can he get 26 points at minus 114? So 
<sighs> it's a little confusing for the line to switch, but you know, for for me, I would still bet the the better team. I still think Phoenix is the better overall team, and they don't have the dude playing with the the wooden leg uh, as the best player uh, because there's other people on his team that. Asleep, I guess. I, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't. I don't know how to piece it together. But you know, cast the checks. Big salute. Uh, I wish I was as mediocre as my job and got paid uh, uh, a percentage, uh, a piece of a percent. So uh, this is definitely a hateration in this dancery. Uh, uh, on, on top of that, too. But let's see. Drew Holiday to get thirty points is plus four eighty four. So if I put Twenty dollars on that, I can win one hundred and sixteen dollars. That might be my bet for tomorrow. I'm put how much fifty dollars? Fifty dollars. I put fifty dollars on Drew Holiday scoring thirty points. Um, because looking at his scoring chart, I should probably go twenty five points. Looking at his scoring chart, actually, that might be a safer bet. So first of all, fifty dollars would give me a return of two hundred and ninety two dollars. So plus twenty four plus. Is plus one sixty five. Betting fifty dollars on that will give me one hundred and thirty two dollars. Betting a hundred on that would double that thing. It give me two hundred sixty five dollars. So putting a hundred dollars on Drew Holiday scoring at least twenty four points. Because looking at the scoring charts, there's two good games, two bad games, two good games, two bad games. Can he have three bad games in a row and, and really sell Giannis out? Uh, we'll see, but. Thank y'all for for listening. Um, I appreciate y'all. This will be up, at, of course, on in podcast form, but it'll be up on my YouTube. So review my YouTube, uh, review the podcast, subscribe to both. Uh, the YouTube's gonna be uh, a lot of the same content as far as the, the talking. Uh, it's gonna be a lot more t- topics on there because it'd be a lot of you know five and ten minute things that you know I don't want to fit into a a long a format. Uh, into like this, which is you know kind of why I prefer YouTube a little bit more. I can you know I can break up the conversations uh, because we just talked about UFC and the NBA. Uh, I can break up the conversation a little better per per video. Um, but I still like the podcast form because you know just talking and and running my yappa uh, is something that's cool too. So I appreciate y'all for listening, and I will holler.